So we are beginning this uh, midsummer series today, and uh, I got to be honest with you, this series is completely random. Um, each week is going to be completely off on its own. Um, so those of you who um, struggle with your attention span, this, this series uh, is just for you. We call this series Asking for a Friend um, because we all have those questions that we want to ask uh, that maybe we're afraid to ask, we're embarrassed to ask, we can't come up with the courage to ask, especially um, in church. So we ask them for a friend that doesn't really exist. I think you all get, get the point. We're, we're asking these questions for a friend because we don't wanna ask them um, ourselves. And today, um, July 3rd, the day before um, July 4th, our, the celebration of our Independence Day um, as a nation, I thought we would kick off this series talking um, about American politics. And since I am halfway around the world right now, uh, you guys can throw stuff at the screen. You can ignore me. You can shoot me dirty looks. You can do whatever you want. And I won't even know. It'll be great. Uh, it'll be perfect. Uh, but the question I want us to go after today to start this series um, is, is what is Jesus's take on politics? What is Jesus's take on politics? And um, so I just, I just really want to point something out that that you've noticed um, if you've been around for any period of time. I wanna look at a couple things uh, that Jesus said, taught, and prayed specifically. They're actually things that we've looked at over the last couple um, months. And then I wanna ask you to consider doing something. I'm not gonna ask you uh, to consider changing political parties. I'm not gonna ask you to vote for somebody different. I'm not even gonna ask you to contact um, your elected officials. I want to ask you to do something differently when it comes to how you approach um, specifically our political system, okay? So here's what I've noticed. Here's what you've noticed. Um, you've had a coworker, you've had a neighbor, you've had a relative, um, point this out, say this. Maybe they didn't necessarily couch it um, in these terms, but it's true. Nothing divides like politics because nothing divides like fear. Nothing divides like politics because nothing divides like fear. You can raise a lot of money leveraging fear. And it, it sounds something like this. Uh, the Republicans are gonna take away your right to vote. Or the Democrats are going to take away your guns. And for $25, for $50, for $1,000, we can stop them in their tracks, right? Or how about this one? I've heard this since the very first presidential election that I, that I voted in. It goes something like this. This is the most important presidential election in our history, and we can't let them, we can't let the Democrats, we can't let the Republicans, we can't let Congress, we can't let our politicians or them, you know, run our country into the ground. So pick up that phone, pick up your credit card and call now. Go something like that. There, there's just, if you peddle enough fear, you can raise a lot of money. And when you peddle enough fear, you peddle a lot of division. And I'm not giving anybody an ideas. I'm just, I'm just telling you how it works. But, but here's the question. Like within the context of the United States of America, what exactly do we fear? What exactly do you fear? Like let's, let's just name it. And I'll tell you the answer because it's the same for all of us. We all fear loss. 
We all fear loss. We fear something's gonna be taken away. Uh, control, um, opportunity, the future of our kids, uh, the culture as we would like for it to be, um, our freedom, the loss of progress in some area. Um, let's, let's just get real honest. If, 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 you're, if you're white, you fear what might happen. If you're black or brown, you fear what has happened. It's not theory for you, it's history for you. And it wasn't that long ago. It's, it's happening over and over and over. So there's fear in all of us, fear of the unknown. And, and again, you can raise a lot of money if you pedal in fear. And we're in a season in our nation where everybody's peddling fear. And if we're not careful, we get sucked into it. We're not just victims. We will be, this is what we're gonna talk about. We won't just be victims of fear. We will be divided. We will be the divided states of America. And we have, this, this is one of the things I love about our church. We have the full spectrum of, of, of the full political spectrum represented in our church. You just pick the issue. Pick the topic and I can point to an email, I can point to a conversation, I can point to a social media post from somebody in our church that stands on opposite ends of the political spectrum on that issue. And I actually like that. I actually like that about our church. In fact, this might be a little bit too strong, but if you're looking for a church where everybody thinks and views and votes just like you do, this probably isn't the church for you. And, and I, I, hope, I hope we're always a church like that. It's harder to be a church like that in today's uh, political climate, but I hope we'll always have that flavor. And here's why. Because when a church has diversity, when, it, when a, a church is represented by that kind of diversity, they have the opportunity to model for their kids for their neighbors, for their community, possibly for other churches, what it looks like to disagree politically. That's not going away. We're always gonna have that. But to disagree politically and love unconditionally. We can disagree politically. Even if you vote on the same platform, even if you vote for the same person, the same ticket of the person sitting right next to you, my guess is there are issues and talking points that you are going to disagree with each other on. But that doesn't mean you can't love unconditionally. Disagree politically and love unconditionally. And here's my question. Like just to, right out of the gate, here's my question. And don't answer this out loud. Don't, don't poke the person next to you uh, with your elbow. Here, here's my question. Do you wanna do that? Do you want to do that? Do you, do you think it's even possible in our current cultural moment to disagree politically and love unconditionally? And I don't mean tolerate. I don't mean be nice to people who you disagree with politically. I mean, love them, love them. Let me, let me ask it in a different way. This is a little bit more pointed, kind of goes to the heart. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our historical, collective Christian faith 
rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics? Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics, which is what most Christians do? You've noticed this before. Um, it, you know, you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, but it doesn't matter. It, you could be a, an independent, a libertarian, whatever it is. And everybody has a verse from Jesus's mouth that, that proves that they're right. Republicans are red, Democrats are blue. No matter which one you are, Jesus agrees with you. <laughs> we, we do this. And, and I don't think that's going away until Jesus comes back to clear all of that up. But in the meantime, are you willing, am I willing to put our political filter behind our faith filter instead of in front of our faith filter? Are you willing to evaluate or possibly reevaluate your politics in light of what Jesus specifically, consistently taught? Or let me ask it this way. Are you willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus creates space between you and your favorite candidate? Are you willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus means there's space between you and your favorite political platform? Are you willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus creates space between you and your political party? And I'm just telling you, from my vantage point, too many Christians today are not willing to do that because it's easier to be divided. It's easier to spout off all the fear. It's easier to rush to our corners and assume that Jesus agrees with us. It's just easier to do that. It's harder to do what Jesus specifically, consistently taught us to do. So we gotta make a decision. You gotta make a decision. I gotta make a decision. Who are you gonna follow? Who are you gonna listen to? Who will you ultimately obey? Can you disagree politically and love unconditionally? That's really the question that we're gonna get at today, okay? So, any questions so far? Hearing none, we'll move on. Okay, so apparently Jesus saw this division thing coming because one of the things he was most interested in was the unity that his followers displayed. We looked at this just a couple weeks ago towards the end of his life on this earth. Um, he prays, right? He prays for the, the original disciples and then he prays for, for you and I. He prays for those who would believe through their message, the original disciples. And in the first century, um, the, the unity that Jesus was praying about, that's, that's talking about Jew and Gentile rich and poor, slaves and freedmen, um, military leaders and their soldiers, uh, tax gatherers and those that they collected taxes from, the educated, the uneducated, all those groups of people were represented in Jesus's church back then. But in, in the 21st century, it's similar to that, but it's not the same. It, it, it includes the privileged and not so privileged. It includes the Republicans and Democrats and independents and libertarians and librarians and black and brown and white and beige and married and single. In, in other words, all of us. He prayed that all of us would be one, which if I'm honest, <laughs> like you, to my ears, it sounds impossible in our culture. It sounds completely foreign to our ears. But 
Jesus was convinced, as possible as it may sound to us, Jesus was convinced this was mission critical. This, this was not an add-on. This was not, wouldn't it be nice if the church would get along? No, it was absolutely imperative to Jesus, which means we should become intentional about ensuring that there is unity in local churches, that there's unity in the church, because this is what Jesus prayed for. And do you remember why he prayed this? Do you remember why he prayed this? I wanna show you this just again so we're, we're all on the same page. He prayed that, that his original disciples, he prayed for them, he prayed for us, those who would believe through their message. And then he says this in John 17, 21. He says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that, there's the purpose clause, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the reason he prayed for oneness really doesn't have anything to do with us. It doesn't have to do with, with doing something through us. It has to do, he, he prayed oneness because of what he wanted to do through us. Jesus prayed for our unity. So people outside of us, people outside the faith, people who drive by and roll their eyes, people like that, he prayed for us to be one so those people would see our unity in the midst of our diversity and come to the conclusion that God did in fact send his son on their behalf, which is why this isn't an add-on. This isn't a nice thing to have. This is mission critical. The, the, the world would sit up and take notice of the body of Christ when this beautifully diverse thing we call the local church is unified, even, even though we disagree. Even, even though we've been raised in such different ways that we're never really gonna see uh, the, 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 the issues in the same way, especially politically. But, but to never, ever sacrifice our unity for anything. And, and I, I think this is directly tied to what Jesus um, had just commanded his disciples to do a few chapters earlier, a few months earlier. Um, Jesus is celebrating Passover with his disciples for the last time. And, and again, you know, the, you know the story. In that conversation, he says, guys, I've got a new command for you. And, and this command is gonna supersede all the other commands that you've heard, that you've learned, that you've obeyed, that you've memorized your entire life. It's pretty simple. Nobody needs to write it down. Here it is. A new command I give you. Love one another, to which they could have said, Jesus, that's not really new but Jesus wasn't done. Here's the clincher. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That, that you aren't the model, Jesus is the model. I'm not the model, Jesus is the model. Our, our, our political leaders, our military leaders, our religious leaders, they're not the model. Jesus is the model. He's the standard. And he said, I've modeled this for you and now I want you to go do this. And this wasn't a new suggestion. <laughs> this was a new command that he was giving to his followers. And again, it's not even really about us. This isn't just like Jesus' prayer for unity. He says, the reason I want you to love each other as I have loved you is not so you all get along and everybody agrees and, and there's never any conflict. That's not the reason. 
He wants us to love each other the way he's loved us because, next verse, by this, this unique kind of love for one another, even though you're not like one another, but because of this unique kind of love for each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus wanted us to love each other as he loved us. He wanted us unified, not political unity, unity of purpose, unity of mission. He wanted us to love each other so much, be unified so much that the world would understand that God loves them and that God sent a son. God sent them a savior, just like we know he sent us a savior. And Jesus was saying to his original disciples, I think he's saying to us, that your unity doesn't revolve around your culture, around your politics, around your language, the bits and pieces um, of everybody's individual worldview, how you do baptism, how you do communion, how you sing, what time of the day you meet. The core of what you're unified around is how I've loved you. And that's how I want you to love each other. Be unified so that, love each other so that. There's a reason that Jesus wanted us to do this. So here's the thing. And, and you're all very, very intelligent, smart people, so you know this. So let me just say it anyway. Your candidate, my candidate, our political party, the political platform that, that you vote for or you stand for, they win or lose based on how the citizens of this country vote on a specific Tuesday every two to four years in November. But the church wins or loses based on how we love every day in between. i say it again. I hope everybody votes. But your candidate, my candidate, your favorite political platform wins or loses based on how the citizens of this country vote on a particular Tuesday in November. The church, in some sense, our community, in some sense, our nation wins or loses based on how we love every other single day in between. And that's why, and I say it strong because Jesus was so clear, this isn't an add-on. This, this isn't a, a nice thing to have. This isn't something that we should give a little bit of time to. We can't allow anything or anyone to divide us. Why in the world? Why in the world would we take our cues from mere mortals? <laughs> Why in the world? Would we allow ourselves to be divided over politics? Listen, throughout our oh-so-short history as a nation, and it is very, very short, both political parties have gotten it wrong at some point. During our oh-so-short history as a nation, leaders from every political party have gotten it wrong. We've had some good leaders, had some bad leaders, but there has been moral, ethical, legal failure from every side of the aisle. And then there's this, we forget this. During our oh-so-short history as a nation, several political parties have turned out the lights because their party is over. 
I mean, come on. Are there any Whigs in the house today? <laughs> any, any Federalists with us today? We're, we're so short-sighted. There are political parties in our short history as a nation that were so adamant about certain things and they no longer exist. So here's the question. Why would followers of an eternal king allow ourselves to be divided by temporary ones? Why, why would followers of an eternal king allow ourselves to be divided by a political platform or system or leader? Why, why would we allow ourselves to be divided by lesser kings? And here's what's probably even more embarrassing to me than that. Why would we allow ourselves to be divided by fear? Jesus's most often repeated command was fear not. Fear not, fear not. And you know what? So many of us are so afraid of something potentially, maybe out there in the future it might happen. You know, let's, let's just pause for a moment and think about the context in which Jesus said, fear not. On one side, you had the Jewish religious leaders who, were, who couldn't wait to arrest him and kill him to shut him up. On the other side, you had the Roman Empire who would perform the execution. And in between you, those two colossal forces, you have Jesus looking at his guys and saying, ignore them. Fear not. Fear not. Your king has come. And, 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 and when the king's people rally around the king's message, extraordinary things happen. And we know that because of what happened. After Jesus' resurrection, unbelievable things happened in and through the church because they got this one part right. So come on. Why in the world would we allow any political view, any political system, a view that you might outgrow I mean, do you just think about the last 10 to 15 years, your views have adjusted. You're not as adamant about some of the, your views as you were 10 or 15 years ago when you were younger. Why would we run the risk? Why would we allow any political view divide us from a living, breathing you? Strongly held or not so strongly held view. Why would we allow that kind of a view to divide us from a living, breathing you? Why would we do that? I mean, when, when Jesus' brand new command was, look, political parties come and go, political leaders come and go, vote however you're gonna vote, but don't you dare mistreat somebody made in my image. Why would we allow that? Why would we allow political view to divide us from an actual living, breathing you that Jesus died for, the you beside you, the you that lives next door to you, the you that's in the next cubicle to you, or worse yet, the you you're related to. Why? Come on, this is common sense. Why would we not fight for, struggle for, and sacrifice for the unity our king prayed for? Why would we not do that? Because it was the unity of the church that got the attention of a pagan world. It was the unity of the church that eventually the empire responsible for crucifying Jesus that eventually embraced him. So again, don't answer out loud, just you and your own thoughts. 
do you want to do this? Like, do you want to do this? And, and, and I, I, I don't say this much, but I can say this with confidence. This is God's will for you. This is God's will for us as a church. This is God's will for every church because this is what Jesus commanded and this is what Jesus prayed for. Do you wanna do this? And if you do, I wanna make two suggestions, two things. Um, maybe you've never thought about praying this before, but, but I'm gonna ask you to pray for what Jesus prayed for. I want you to pray for oneness. Pray for oneness. I'm gonna give you a little prayer here in a minute. Not the best prayer in the world. It's short, it's memorable. You may wanna take a picture when we throw this up on the screen. But I'm actually gonna ask us all to pray this out loud in a minute because I believe this is God's will for us, okay? Here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. This isn't about church growth. This isn't about getting more people in a building. This is about the universal big C church. Because Jesus prayed, if they'll stay on the, you know, this one thing, if they'll stay one, the world's gonna know what I'm up to. If they'll pursue unity, the world's gonna pay attention and they're gonna look up. So I want you to pray this for our church. If you're from a different church, I'd love for you to pray this for your local church. I think you should pray this for them. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. This was the prayer that our Savior prayed just hours before he died. This is what he wanted protected, even more than his own life. He wanted this protected. So let's, let's, just, let's just get started, okay? Let's pray this out loud together. You ready? Here we go. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. One more time. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. Hope that's a prayer. You continue to pray over and over and over again. That's the first thing. The second thing, for some of you, this is pushing it, but sometimes I think we need to be pushed, okay? Number two, look for an opportunity to love unconditionally someone with whom you disagree politically. Look for an opportunity to love unconditionally someone with whom you disagree politically. And if you're going, well, I... I don't even really know anybody I disagree with politically. <laughs> that, that might be the problem. Like you might be living in an echo chamber, okay? Let me just say this, I'll push a little bit more. That's why you haven't learned anything in 15 years. It's, it's, that's why you're so convinced you're right and you just can't understand. I just can't understand how anybody could believe that. Well, you just made a confession. There's something you can't understand. I don't understand how anybody could vote that way. Well, you just made a confession. There's something you don't understand. So, Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many and look for someone find someone that you can have an opportunity to love unconditionally that you disagree with politically. And yeah, I understand that may be more hard. That may be harder than it's ever been because we're more divided than we've ever been. But when the church, when Jesus followers do this, our light shines a little bit brighter 
And our salt preserves and flavors a little bit better because we're so divided. It's an opportunity for the church to step into its calling. So pray for oneness. Look for somebody that you disagree with politically, that you can love, that you can serve in some way unconditionally. Now I'll close, I'll close with this. Like I'm, I'm, I try to put myself in your shoes and um, some of you are thinking, and I understand this, I would probably feel the exact same way if I were in your shoes. You're saying, Tim, um, good sermon. You're a little bit of a chicken preaching on video while you're halfway around the world, but we'll let that slide. Um, but Tim, you have to say things like this. Like you're, you're, the, you're the preacher. This is your job. You're just doing your job. Okay, you point us to what Jesus prayed. Point us to what Jesus said. Tell us to follow his example. And you're just wrapping it up in a little bit of political wrapping paper. But I mean, come on. Don't, don't you know it's a little more complicated than that? Don't you know it's a little bit more nuanced than that? Like this whole unity and unconditional stuff. Isn't that a little bit naive? To which I would say no. I don't think it is. Let, let, me, let me give you an example of something that's really, really naive. Naive is a first century rabbi from nowhere, as far away from the epicenter of activity as he could be, standing up way, way north in the hot Syrian sun, surrounded by 12 guys who were younger than him, no political clout, no military backing, don't have anything going for him. And this rabbi looks at these teenagers and he says, guys, I'm gonna build my church. I'm gonna build my movement, my assembly, my congregation, which at that time was illegal. I'm gonna build my church and the gates of Hades won't even be able to overcome it. That's naive. Because his guys, I can just imagine his guys looking at him like, us? You're going you're gonna to do what? Yeah, I'm going to start a movement and you guys are going to be a part of it. And neither Rome nor the Jewish religious leaders, nor any culture, no nation, not even death itself is going to be able to stop it. That's naive. But he did. And nothing stopped it yet. And you and I, we're a part of it. Our, our unique sacrificial oneness is the thing that's going to fuel it for this generation and the generation to come. And at this point in the history of our nation, we should be taking our cues from Jesus more than we should be taking our cues from anybody else. So disagree politically. Love unconditionally, pray for oneness. Disagree politically, love unconditionally, pray for oneness. Disagree politically, love unconditionally, pray for unity. And most importantly, don't miss part two of asking for a friend next week.